Welcome to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Uh, this is the National Football League's eighth week, and uh, some teams have had their bye, some teams have not. Uh, two teams that did play last night, Thursday night, kicking off uh, week number eight, were the Minnesota Vikings at home against the Washington Redskins. The Vikings won 19-9, a little bit of a lackluster performance offensively, but I tell you, they got to 6-2. and two. Stephon Diggs, another big night. He has 453 yards in the last three games. That leads the NFL, at least till <laughs> through today. 23 for 26 of red-hot Kirk Cousins, 285 yards, has not thrown a pick in the last four games. Teams with a bye this week, the Baltimore Ravens coming off a huge win, 30-16 to at Seattle, 5-2 and right now behind quarterback Lamar Jackson, who is one of the best athletes to ever play in the National Football League. The Cowboys get a bye. They got to 4-3 and last week with a big 37-10 win over the Eagles. Dak Prescott and the O-line did an excellent job. We've got a great show for you this week. We have on former NFL head coach Jack Del Rio, who is now working on ESPN's NFL Live, amongst other things. We also have on from Good Morning Football on the NFL Network and also uh, CBS NFL Today on Sundays, Nate Burleson, who I drafted with the Vikings in 2003. And of course, we're going to hear from Hall of Fame jockey, why wouldn't we, Gary Stevens, and talk a couple good races this weekend and really start honing in on the Breeders' Cup, which is a week from today. Well, we'll be back in a minute with a great show for you. Stay tuned. I got the horse right here. The name is Paul Revere. And here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do. This guy says the horse can do. If he well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. And my next guest, uh, four-year starter at USC. Uh, fans, consensus, All-American as a senior. Co-MVP of the 1985 Rose Bowl, along with quarterback Tim Green. My favorite statistic about my friend here is he caught Hall of Fame fame pitcher Randy Johnson at USC and also was teammates with the great Mark McGuire. Uh, was inducted into the USC Athletic Hall of Fame in 2015. Two-time NFL head coach of Jacksonville and the Oakland Raiders. My friend Jack Del Rio. Jackson, how we doing today, my man? Good. How you doing, Big Mike? Oh, I'm doing great, man. It's beautiful out here in Seattle, Washington. As uh, you well know, it can get rainy here. And uh, we have uh, been told we're going to have six to eight days of sunshine. So I guess I got some honeydews to clean up the, the garden for Diane. How, how's the family? How's everything going? How's the new job? How's the NFL live? Tell us, catch me up on everything, Jack. Well, everything's good. You know, we... Uh... I had my first grandchild this year, my daughter Aubrey. Yep. Had a, had a beautiful little baby girl, uh, Spava, and she's uh, she's coming up on nine months now. So she brought a lot of joy to the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this new gig I've been doing, uh, ESPN as an analyst, I've been enjoying that. It's kept me around the game, uh, getting to see some people when I travel and call some games for ESPN Radio, and then and then I go up to Bristol and do uh, analyst work each week. And so, you know, I'm I'm looking at tape. I'm I'm uh, I'm back around the game after after really taking a year off last year. 
uh, and, and kind of being disconnected. I'm back involved this year, and, uh, and it's been fun. Yeah, and, and I feel uh, – yeah, I heard you uh, before I get into that about uh, being disconnected a little bit. I heard you hooked up with Munkin after a game, so that was good to see. That's Todd Munkin, the coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. And it's – as you said, it's always good to get on the road and catch up with some of your former friends. And uh, I know I've been staying in touch with all our guys, Munkin and – Dirk Cutter, who's having a rough time in Atlanta, but I felt the same way last year. I I, I, I retired, Jack, and didn't want to get back in the game. Um, didn't really watch a lot of football. Got rid of my Direct TV, and uh, then this year, uh, boy, I tell you, I'm I'm fortunate to be able to do this show, the uh, Odds and Ends podcast, because it makes me watch the tape. Uh, it makes me look at the statistics and follow the players. And uh, it's actually been great to be uh, re-engaged. And I know, uh, listening to you, you sound like you're fired up to be back in also. And does that back in include uh, getting back in as a coach at one point, Jack? Well, it's possible, Big Mike. You know, um, I'm leaving all my options open. I, the way I'm attacking the analyst role, I'm trying to, you know, uh, trying to learn it, trying mm-hmm. to be good at it. And, uh, you know, have an informed opinion, have – 34 years of playing and coaching in the NFL to be able to talk about the league that was so good to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's been that part's been great. Um, I took the year, you know, last year. I mean, I traveled the world. My wife and I went. You know, I, I walked the Camino from from Portugal to Spain. Yeah. I I I, uh, I went on a golf trip for three weeks in in Scotland and Ireland, and uh, you know, we're just all over the place. So it was talk about not watching the NFL. I mean, last year I, I really unplugged from it, but. This year, uh, really, you know, with the training camps this summer, saw a couple terrific football teams mm-hmm. that I know we'll talk about as we get going here. But, uh, you know, really back involved at training camps, watching tape, being an analyst, calling games on the radio, mm-hmm. visiting different sites, all that stuff. So it's been uh, – it's definitely been energized. Yeah, it's kind of fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's what we know and what <laughs> we do. And, uh, yeah, I know it's been really great. So, yeah, I, I want to talk to you about, uh, for our fans, uh, you've you've studied a lot of film and you've be, be, had a chance to watch some good teams with talent we talked about in the pre, pre-show, pre and you've had uh, a chance to look at some of these great defenses. I, I'm going to rattle off a couple of things, and then you tell me, uh, because I'm an offensive guy, is – uh, defenses by yards. I mean, I look at defenses by yards as a little bit of a, a fan stat, if you will. So you have New England, the 49ers, the Bills, the Broncos, who have a defensive head coach, and Dallas as your top five. But but then you go down and look at points allowed, which is a stat that I really uh, look at hard, hard, very hard. You still have some of the same teams. You have New England, 49ers, Bills, and the Titans, uh, that's a team I want to hear you talk about, and then the Bears. So there's two statistics, and just taking those or any other uh, statistics, statistics you want to throw in there, what do you look at, Jack, as a defensive coach? Yeah, I look at, uh, I mean, you know, you can't help but see yards, but yards doesn't normally tell you a lot about how, how good a defense is. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to me, points, the ability to the ability to create turnovers; mm-hmm. uh, those are the those are the things that that really separate. And then you get down into you know third down, the ability to get off the field in third down, mm-hmm. uh, red zone, the ability to force teams to kick field goals and not not allow them to get seven points. You know, so you're looking at those percentages as well to to really determine it. But I got to tell you, this year what what I'm watching from 
Bill Belichick right. and the New England Patriots. Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's I sick, mean, isn't it? The, the, it's historic. It's mm-hmm. historic. And, and unfortunately, I think the, the, you know, the, the claim to fame that, that I've had since 2000 when I was uh, part of the Ravens defense, when we gave up 165 points on the season, I didn't think that would be broken. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mm-hmm. really didn't. And, man, I mean, through seven games, New England's only allowed 48 points, less than seven points a game. Uh, our record's at 165, which is just over 10. I, I think that record might go down this year. And uh, and New England's been amazing. And it's, it's suffocating man-to-man defense. They're mixing, you know, they're mixing uh, cover one, uh, a lot of hole, mm-hmm. and a little bit of zero, and then a little bit of zone. And they're just getting after people. And, you know, the, the amazing thing is they're doing a, such a great job of coordinating the rush and attacking the protections. Right. And Mike, you, you are the best I've ever been around in terms of identifying and protecting and getting people blocked up. And I'm telling you, Bill is attacking the protections that he's going against each week and causing fits and then playing tight coverage behind it. And it's leading to, you know, just a suffocation of offense. Yeah, I agree. It's been it's been unreal to watch. I mean, the only game that was a game that I watched of theirs was the Bills game. There's another really good defense, but it, you could pick your stat this year, Jack, with New England. They lead in, in defensive yardage allowed. They lead in third down conversions at Jack fourteen point two nine, which I know you know, but I'm saying it for the fans. The next closest team is Dallas, and they were giving up twenty six percent. They lead in points allowed, like you said, less than a touchdown. Uh, here, the one you brought up, Jack, 3.1 turnovers per game they are creating. And then you say, all right, what else do they have? Do they have anything else? Yeah, they're second in the league with 26 sacks. So it's it's uh, it's going to be hard for anybody coming down the road to go in to New England or even New England on the road and defeat that team. And it just has to be a day where you catch Brady on a bad day with maybe some weather and you get a couple tip balls, I'm, I'm guessing, huh, Jack? Yeah, I think, I think really, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. You cannot turn the ball over. That's one. One, number one. I don't one. think New England's offense is going to run away from anybody. No, so, not this year. You know, I, I know Tom has been terrific his whole career and all that, but, you know, he's at the tail end of it. He's not lighting people up like he once did. It's not, you know, he's not putting 50 points up each week like he once did when he and Randy Moss were together. Um, what you have to do, you have to knock Tom down. You have to make him work outside the numbers. That's how you get their, their offense slowed down. Mm-hmm. But defensively or, or offensively, you cannot turn the ball over. It's mm-hmm. okay. I mean, look at what Buffalo did. They just ran the ball. They were patient. They were okay with punting. It, you know, it's okay to punt and play That's defense. Right. It's okay and, to punt. And, and play good defense also in – and so I think you look at the way Buffalo played, and Buffalo understands what they need to get done in order to beat them. They were they were very close in the first game, and they'll get another crack at it. But you know you gotta you really gotta you're not going to be this high octane spread to throw the ball all over the place offense if you try that against what Bill's got going. He's going to create a lot of turnovers and, and end up blowing you out. Oh yeah, they have 18 interceptions this year. I mean that's unbelievable. Next closest one one touchdown pass, Mike. One touchdown pass allowed. 18 interceptions. It's unbelievable. Think about that. Oh, it's it's sick. It's sick. I, I'm looking forward. I think in the horizon they have Baltimore, 
uh, Baltimore coming out of their bye in two weeks. I think that's the matchup, if I've read correctly. But that'll be a great game to watch, and that'll be a super challenge for that New England defense. And all the fans out there are saying they haven't played anybody. Hey, they don't make the schedule. I mean, they play the teams that are in front right. of them. And I'm sure coaches, right. Belichick is taking them one at a time. Do you have any other defenses out there that jump out to you that, you know, you've watched and that you really enjoy watching or that might well, you know, put fear into somebody? I grew up, I grew up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. you know, Mike, and, mm-hmm. I, and, and you're on one side or the other. You're, you're East Bay or you're, you're a 49er guy. I'm East Bay all the way. Uh, so I've never really rooted for the 49ers, but I've always respected whenever they have something going good, mm-hmm. you know, a la, you know, Bill Walsh and Joe Montana and, you know, winning Super Bowls. Uh, always respected them, but not, not ever been a fan. I love, I'm a fan of the way their defense is playing football. They are, uh, Sala uh, yeah. has, has these guys flying around. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not great fitters in their defensive front. They get run on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're linebackers will misfit too often for my liking, uh, but their defensive front four is relentless, mm-hmm. and these guys are playing with their hair on fire. And uh, and so, you know, what I do like about them, I think the 49ers, defensively, they play so hard, they, they create problems for the quarterback with the way they rush and the talent they have up front, and then they're playing that safe, that Seattle three-deep zone, uh, you know that that Pete Carroll has so effectively run up there in Seattle, and and that's what the Niners are playing, and uh, and they're doing a nice job of it, and they're mixing some pressure here and there. So, I it's a really good looking defense, and the way they're swarming, they're doing a nice job. I don't know the way their linebackers misfit so much if they'll be able to hold up against the better teams when you get into these tight contests. Mm-hmm. There's too many too many easy runs given up by misfits and things like that. And I, I think it's a lack of awareness by some of the linebackers. So that that's concerning. But beyond that, they're playing really hard. And, you know, Mike, one of the things I like to look for when I'm watching defense is, you know, how many times do you see 11 guys in the picture? Right. You know, that's, that doesn't happen much around the league. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, they're swarming the football. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're playing hard like that, you overcome mistakes. And that's, and that's one of the things the 49ers defense is doing. Yeah, and they're playing with great energy, as you as you said. I mean, great energy. You watch them uh, slip sliding away after the game last week in the rain. They were having fun, and that's what it's all about, winning uh-huh. games. Chuck Knox used to say winning games and having fun. And that and that's and that's the name of the territory. What any any other defense before we move on to uh, some some uh, talk about some of the top teams in the league? Uh, any other defense that jump out to you? I, I want to throw one out there for you that I've been intrigued with, but they just can't score any po- yeah. points. Or the Titans. What do you think about the Titans defense? Have yeah, you, the Titans. I mean, the Titans play. They play good defense. Right. Uh, you know, Mike Mike Vrabel. You know, brought in a, a, a kind of a kind of a tough mentality, and mm-hmm. they've embraced it. Yeah, I. I like the Titans' defense, but team-wise, I haven't actually had as much exposure to them mm-hmm. as I have some of the other teams so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think now that Tannehill gave them a little life, yeah. that maybe you'll start to hear about Tennessee a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're 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 kind of at the crossroads. I mean, they're, and yeah. I think that's why Mike felt like he had to make a move because it was kind of sink or swim time, and I and I think you know that, that Tannehill gave him the lift he was looking for, so. Maybe maybe we'll hear more about their defense as they continue to win games. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's a team that I've had my eye on. They they they're doing well in some of the statistical categories that matter. Uh, they just can't score any points, and uh, they made that right. change to Tannehill. And 
And I'm hoping uh, for our guys that are on that staff, we have a couple of guys on that staff we worked with, Jack. Yep. I'm hoping that they can uh, score some points and do better. I th- thought Mike did a nice job in making that quarterback change. It is what it is. I mean, you can't score, you can't win. You know, but if you stop them from scoring, which is why I brought up the Titans, which they are doing, they are stopping them. They're only giving up 16 points a game. Uh, they should right. be in every game, and if you look at their schedule, they have been in every game. Uh, and yeah, th- just you know, the quarterback, the quarterback play is going to be important, Mike. And I think, you know, to me, they remind me of another team with a great defense in Chicago. I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Tennessee and Chicago are kind of in the same category where their defense is good enough playoff worthy, you know, talented enough, deep enough, all that, but they're not getting enough out of the quarterback, not getting enough out of the offense. And so I think they're kind of in the same, both those two teams are in the same position. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, everyone keeps saying this is a quarterback-driven league, this is a quarterback-driven league, and I think those two examples, the Chicago Bears and the Tennessee Titans are two examples of that, that this is a quarterback league, and if you don't have a quarterback that can make the big throws and win the game on third down and and score in the red zone, you're not going to win many games in the National Football League. So speaking of the National Football League, how about you give the fans, because you've watched a, a hell of a lot of football this year, your top five AFC no one's holding you to it. I'm not putting up a stat or anything. Your top five uh, NFC and your top five AFC teams and maybe a quick reason why, and and uh, and then I can let you get back to enjoying your family. Yeah, sure, sure, Mike. All right, well, let's start Let's start with the AFC. you got to put the obvious on top, New England's, mm-hmm. New England's on top. I think they're the class of the AFC. Uh, but I, I don't think they're completely unbeatable uh, so long as the team will come in and kind of be stubborn and keep it close. But mm-hmm. they're forcing so many mistakes, as we were talking about earlier. But New England's on top. Um, my second my second ranked team is the Colts, mm. believe it or not. you know, and, and this pack of teams, I think, is really close as you look at the rest of the, the rest of the grouping. I just I just feel like the Colts, they have one of the better offensive lines. In the, in the league, yeah, Jacoby Brissett is an underrated quarterback. Yes, they've got they've got Mac, the running back Marlon Mack, who's terrific. Uh, T. Y. Hilton outside can't cover him. I like yeah. their defense. Their defense with Darius Leonard back is is athletic, and they they have a lot of young talent. Chris Ballard's done a nice job of of adding talent first to the offensive line a year ago. Uh, and then, and then this year they really fortified their their back seven. You know they've got speed and depth, and so you know I think you know uh, Matt Eberflus does a nice job there with the defense. So I like the Colts at number two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd go with Buffalo number three, even though they're they're going to be a wild card in all likelihood uh, unless they unseat the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So I like Buffalo. I like what McDermott is doing there. I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's they play tough defense. They yeah. You know, our buddy Bobby Johnson's up there running the O line yep. and they, they fortified the line for him, which was which was great for him. They're yep. they're a tough team. They play they play physical. They believe in running the football and playing good defense. They're gonna be around come playoff time for sure. Mm-hmm. I put Kansas City fourth mm-hmm. only because with the Mahomie Mahomie's injuries, mm-hmm. I, I worry about them. I hope they don't play him too soon this week. Uh, he's an, he's an, he's a freakish guy. Maybe his body will allow him to come back, but I, you know, with you have an ankle, you can't protect yourself. Now you have a knee and an ankle, and I, you know, want to make sure you protect yourself. And, and to me, a, a, a not as mobile, injured Mahomes, you know, uh, you're putting a lot of 
lot of the future at risk, mm-hmm. uh, hoping to play the Packers this week. So I, I, I wonder which way Andy Reid will go with that one. But, um, you know, Mahomes and, and the Chiefs' offense are unbelievable. But I, I, I really don't trust the fact that he's hurt and their defense just hasn't shown that it's, you know, the top caliber yeah. yet. The last two teams, five or six, could go either way. But since I'm going to have somebody that can, uh, can win the division who just played well in Seattle last week, I'll go with Baltimore over the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Houston. I've seen them in camp. They're terrific on offense. They could easily, with Deshaun Watson, as they get healthier in the back end, jump into this top five. But they're not there now. They're just out of the top five. Mm-hmm. And Baltimore comes in at number five. And, um, look, I know – you know, I know that Lamar Jackson is freaky, uh, and I, I think John Harbaugh is one of the better coaches in the league. I think they do a great job. I I just I saw them live against the Cleveland Browns, right. and it might have been the worst performance the Baltimore Ravens defense has ever that I've ever seen mm-hmm. in, in all my years. So I don't know how good they are on defense this year. Now I know they pulled it off in Seattle last week, but I'm just telling you what I saw with my own eyes. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to love Baltimore. So they barely make the top five just because I have so much respect for John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. And plus somebody, you know, has to come out of that division. Right. Yeah, no, those are good picks. And uh, I'm a little different. I, of course, I, you got to beat the champ to be the champ. So I have New England on top. And uh, I have Baltimore, believe it or not, number two. Kansas City, number three. Buffalo, number four. And I do have Houston sneaking in over Indy. I'm not against uh, what you're saying with Indy. Indy just wins. I mean, that's all they do. They just win, Mark. You know, Frank Reich, the former Maryland Terrapin quarterback, uh, is doing a great job of head coach. And, of course, Chris Ballard, general manager, as you mentioned, has done a nice job putting some talent out there. How about the NFC real quickly, Jack, and uh, get you out of there. All right. Enjoy well, uh, your coffee. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, again, I've, I've spent some time in training camps this summer. Right. All right. And there are a couple teams that are loaded. Okay. So the New Orleans Saints, all right, I have them on top. Really well coached. Sean Payton does a great job. Dennis Allen, you know, doing a, doing a fine job as a defensive coordinator. Their defense is playing real well. Mm-hmm. And for those guys to be undefeated with their, you know, not having Drew Brees mm-hmm. at quarterback, right. uh, they're doing a heck of a job. So I got them at number one. They're a deep team. Number two, I just can't believe i'm gonna say this but i gotta put the packers up there right now mm-hmm. you know and what i believe in is they kept the right guy a defense coordinator mike Tetton. yes and did. they have a hall of fame quarterback in aaron Rodgers. Yes. and uh Tough and to so beat. you know a young inexperienced coach coming in there but he did the right things in keeping the coordinator and having a hall of famer and so they're they're doing they're doing a good job they'll be at number two right now the minnesota vikings are at three yeah if they can just bottle up what they have with Kirk Cousins right now and keep him angry and see if he can play the rest of the year like that, they've got a chance. they got a lot of so I, so I like that. Yeah. I like Minnesota 3. Number 4, I go with the 49ers. And mm-hmm. Why not hire? I just haven't seen enough out of Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I love what Kyle Shanahan is doing in the running game. I, I love the effort with their defense. We talked about them earlier, uh, but I've got them at 4. And then at 5, just ahead of Seattle, I have Dallas. Mm. And Probably a little bit shocking, you know, but again, uh, you know, some of these teams I've seen live and up close, I, I've seen Dallas uh, a lot like the New Orleans Saints. Dallas is loaded, yeah. and as they get healthy and their, you know, their their two tackles come back to the fold, which I, you know, I believe they 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 were able to get back in the game last week, and you saw what a difference it made. 
all, all of a sudden they can run the ball and Zach can throw and all these things because it starts in the with the line. Starts with the line, Big Mike, as oh, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Dallas is loaded in their offensive and defensive line. Yeah. So I, I just think Dallas will find a way. And, and, again, that leaves Seattle out. They're my sixth team. Kind of like Houston, it's a team that is very talented. Russell Wilson's outstanding. Uh, but I just see them. They're not the same on defense. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not. This isn't the legions of boom or, you know, all that deal. This, this, this defense is suspect. I don't think they're elite, and I think that uh, I think they have a chance of sliding out of that top five. Yeah, those are great picks, and I'm probably a little bit annoyed at Dallas because I made them my pick of the week one week, and they end up losing to the Saints. So I got a little <laughs> I got a little pissy with them, but I left them out. But I'm going to same with you at the top because that New Orleans defense has really surprised me, and they've done a great job. And I'm going with New Orleans at the top. My second one. Probably nobody has as my number two, but I've been on this team all year because of my uh, friendship with North Turner. Been following this team since training camp. I like the Carolina Panthers as number two, and we'll see this week because they oh. they play the 49ers. and I have the Packers as That's number. Right. They have the Packers as number three, so I'm with you. Love the Vikings. Been following them as as always. They have a lot. They've got a lot of talent too, and uh, I have them at number four. Number five, I have the 49ers. My team that didn't get in were the Cowboys. Uh, your teams that didn't get in were the Seahawks and the Panthers. The Seahawks, to me, uh, you know, they had a nice record. They won a lot of close games, but they got exposed a little bit. Uh, Living here in Seattle, of course, this is Seahawk crazy here. Um, There's just a a little bit uh, under that top tier, like you said. They're a little bit under that top tier, so I could see leaving them out of that top five. Well, Damn, Jack, we could go on and on and on for hours, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you had a chance to get home for a couple days and and have some family things going on. Thanks a lot for coming on, man, and uh, hopefully you'll come on again in the future. And and, uh, have a great weekend, and best of luck the rest of the way, my man. Thanks, Big Mike. Yeah, great talking to you, man, anytime, and uh, best to Diane, and we'll talk to you soon, big guy. All right, man, give Linda a big hug for me. All right. All right, see you. All right, bye. Well, my next guest is, uh, well, he's busy. He is a co-host, if you can be a co-host with four hosts, on Good Morning Football on NFL Network. He's also on Sunday, on Sunday NFL Today on CBS. A busy man with his family. also is the only player in National Football League history to have three punt returns of 90-plus yards or more. Seattle Zone out of O'Day High School. My man, who I drafted in the third round in 2003 for the Minnesota Vikings, my man, Nate Burleson. Nate, how you doing today, my man? What's up? I'm good, man. I'm good. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing okay, man. I'm trying to stay busy and get form a little bit of niche in my life and not, uh, and, and not drive my wife, Diane, too crazy. Well, Nate, tell me about your top offenses, AFC and NFC, and I know you're a big Seahawk fan and Russell Wilson fan. Tell me why you like Russell Wilson so much, and tell us about the other teams you like offensively in National Football League. I can appreciate the fact that, you know, when the Legion of Boom disbanded and Marshawn Lynch left, Russell Wilson still remained consistent and, and really one of the strongest pieces, not just of that offense, but within the NFC and the NFL as a whole. The Ravens' offense is still pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. You know, the first couple games, Lamar Jackson comes out throwing the rock, and we're like, wow, okay. I see they made an effort to 
to really prove that he can be a passer. And then, you know, the passing game took a little bit of a dip, but it didn't necessarily matter because what they didn't do in the air, Lamar Jackson did it on the ground, mm-hmm. um, which is equally as impressive. Uh, and, Coach, you know this. You, you've seen some of the best in this league run against you. Dante Culpepper was one hell of an athletic quarterback people forget before right. he busted up his knee. Um, and, and, you know, so I, I can appreciate what the Ravens are doing. Um, and then there's a few teams that, you know, they might not steal the headlines, but right. if you pay attention to the way they're playing and with what they're playing with, it might be as impressive as anything else. Aaron Rodgers not having Devontae yes. Adams going out there, five touchdowns and that one rushing touchdown um, in a game where he's turning regular names into household names. Yes. And then Jacoby Brissett in the Colts. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I, don't, I don't know why we're not talking about Jacoby as much as we, we should be, but I do like what they're doing, man. And, and T.Y. Hilton just got back. So they've been kind of holding down the fort without their number one wide receiver. So those are my top offenses right there. And a lot of them are, are anchored by – the, the quarterbacks, but, you know, if you talk, you know, offensive lines or running games, then it's a different story. But like you mentioned, though, you said you like Chris McCaffrey and the Panthers. I do too, man. I mean, you can't say it enough. Kyle Allen is yeah. one of those guys that has, hasn't has lost a game yet, and he's leaning on uh, a star running back like Christian McCaffrey. And we'll see if they can pull up an upset against the 49ers. And, I, you know, listen, they have a chance because the Niners are a great team. They can get out the quarterback. But they don't score a lot of points. Right. And one thing we have seen from the Panthers is they can put points on the board. Yes, they can. Yes, they're fifth in the league in scoring, as you said, and they're scoring almost 28 points a game, that being the Carolina Panthers. And uh, both defenses, I think, are really good defenses. And I think the Carolina defense gets lost in there a little bit. But uh, they've created 15 turnovers, the Carolina Panthers. And to everyone on the shows are talking about the 13 13- uh, turnovers created by the 49ers, but the Carolinas created two more. So, uh, I mean, I look at that also. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you on, on Baltimore. And, and I made a comment, uh, I think it was uh, earlier on Jack, with Jack, when I was talking with Jack, that uh, possibly Lamar Jackson could be one of the best athletes to ever play in the National Football League, or at least of, you know, my my memory of great athletes and there the, he is a running back with a great arm I know he doesn't want, want to be called that but uh, he does a lot of great things with his legs and uh, the team has rallied around him and they believe in him and then I watched that game in Seattle I'm sure you did too uh, he just took over that game and uh, and I agree with you Russell's having a great year as well can we talk a little bit Nate about some of the best possible uh, ones that hit the top of your head, the best possible new players on offense in this league. I have a couple here I want to bring up. But do you have any that stick out to you, uh, i.e. Uh, Josh Jacobs running back at the Oakland Raiders, anybody like that jump out to you? Yeah, that was the first guy that came to mind. Um, I believe he had 123 yards on the ground versus the Bears. Um, and, and then last week, 124 against the Packers. So, for him to be a rookie, he's kind of playing like a, a seasoned vet mm-hmm. um, on the defensive side of the ball. How about Dev, Devin Bush, the linebacker yes. for the Pittsburgh Steelers? You know, it's funny, man. He had like 10 tackles in one preseason game. And I, I, I came on the air, and, you know, I was just being a, a curmudgeon. And I said, hey, man, rookie, let me challenge you to do that in the regular season. It's all, it's all good when offenses are vanilla packages and, and you know, you can fly around and, and fill up the stat box. And guess what? He heard me, and he's been playing well. He, he, his productivity reminds me 
Um, you need a lot of Darius Leonard, the mm-hmm. linebacker for um, the Colts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his rookie year, he didn't make the Pro Bowl, but he was, he was all pro because mm-hmm. it was just that dynamic. And, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, that young linebacker is, is there with uh, some young talent. I mean, you look at – I think it's uh, T.J. Watt is on that Pittsburgh mm-hmm. defense as well. So, you know, they got some young players on that team that can anchor them for a long time, and they needed that, especially from a defensive standpoint. Because after the loss of Shazier, um, it was it was a, it was a hole that they couldn't fill, not just from uh, a physicality standpoint, but also from a leadership standpoint. Yeah, and I and I'm glad you brought up the Steelers, and I'm glad you brought up Bush because the Steelers to me are a team to keep an eye on coming out of this bye. Keep an eye on as we move forward. I know they have obviously quarterback issues, but the Steelers are plus seven in that turnover ratio, and anytime you're plus seven in that turnover ratio, you're going to win some games. And they're going to play just old-fashioned Pittsburgh Steeler football. They're not going to be flashy, but I think they're going to win some games and surprise some people down the road here, in my opinion. How about, uh, it's talking about newcomers, how about staying with the Raiders, uh, that Darren Waller, the tight end, that is a great story in and by itself with his uh, problem with uh, substance abuse and then overcoming that, but a smart kid out of Georgia Tech. What a great athlete. Tell me about, a little bit about him. You've been keeping an eye on that Darren Waller, too? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, what I love about him is when I watch him play, um, he almost looks like a positionless player. You know, that's, that's a guy who you throw out on the field and you, you have to stop and, and ask yourself, wait, is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? Mm-hmm. And can he come out the backfield and block for a running back like a fullback can? And he can. And, and you see that more often is some of these players, they'll come in and, and they used to be called tweeners. And now they're just called ballers, mm-hmm. you know. And I, lo- I love the fact that we don't use those words anymore. Um, like, oh, he's too short or he's a tweener or, you know, he's a little too tall. We don't know if he's a tight end mm-hmm. or a wide receiver. He's a mismatch problem. That's what he is because of his size and his ability to run routes like a wideout. Um, you can match him up against linebackers and safeties and have an advantage. And if you want to put your corner on him, you know, the average height of a cornerback in the league is around – what six foot maybe five eleven five ten so he'll have the advantage on that 50 50 ball because he, he can go up and get it you know a lot better than your corner can so let me let me coach you mentioned this you know he, he he's been open about the substance abuse and what he's been through um and you want to see guys like that win i know Absolutely. he just signed an extension three years over 20 million dollars um and that's what this league is about man you know people get they get all bent out of shape when it's when they hear stories like this like oh man well you know, I told you, man, these guys in the league, they, they don't know how to, how to handle success. Well, you know who else don't know how to handle success? People in real life. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I try to remind folks all the time, the NFL, it just parallels society. So if you're getting in your feelings or if you feel a certain type of way about a guy's story, it's probably because it mimics either your own or someone that you know. Um, you know, we are a direct reflection of society. So everything that happens within this, 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 this macro community of the NFL is a, is a strong representation of what's going on in the world today. And the only difference is uh, if you're a normal human being in this nation of ours and you have a story like that, nobody hears about it. But if you're in the National Football League or another professional sport, there's 600 shows out there that are going to put your 
put your stuff right out there in front of everybody, and that's the big difference. Exactly. And so, but no, that's great that, that you talk about that. Is and one more guy I want to talk about, and then I want to move on to this Carolina 49er game I know I want to talk about with you. The Jaguars, a kid that I've had an eye on is DJ Clark, second year out of LSU, 581 yards receiving. It seems to me like he just showed up out of nowhere. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking about this kid. I know you're wide receiver and you keep an eye on the wide receivers like I keep an eye on the old linemen. Within a, within a, a couple of weeks, uh, I believe he he had already uh, beat his stats from you know his career. And but you know that's what happens though, man. It, it's a who's up next opportunity. I mean they had they had Hearns and then they had Allen Robinson and then those guys go elsewhere. They had Marquise Lee and he gets banged up. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, this young man is sitting there thinking to himself, I'm up. Mm-hmm. This is my time to shine. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I like his game and I can appreciate it is the simple fact that I've been there. Like, I know exactly what he's going through. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, the middle of my second year, uh, you know, Coach uh, Charlie Baggett, he comes up to me. He's like, look, Randy's going to be out with a hamstring. Um, that means you're going to be number one target. And you better do your thing. And I kind of understood it, but still um, not really grasping it. And then Randy, he talks to me. He's like, Nate, look, you better get your rocks off. Get your numbers up because when I come back, every ball is coming my way. Take advantage. Yeah. And from there it became real to me. And I'm like, all right, there's windows of opportunity that you have to take advantage of as a player. And I tell these young guys all the time, doesn't come around often, but if you take advantage of it, you can establish yourself as a playmaker for a long time. The reason people are familiar with me is because I put up a thousand yards my second season next to Randy. You know, and if I wasn't ready that year, then who knows where my career would have went. So, you know, I, I love the fact that DJ Tark has, has carved out a nice little niche for him. And yeah. guess what? You put up numbers like that, you're going to get paid in this league. But he, he's definitely balling out, man. And, and making a name for himself. Yeah, those are a couple of the young guys that I've watched uh, this year and had my eye on. I'm glad to hear you talk positively about them all. And let's move on to this Carolina 49er game. I know you talked about it on your show this morning. I saw who you picked. I'm actually picking the same team, the Carolina Panthers, this week. A couple stats, because everyone talks about the 49ers rushing game. They've got eight rushing TDs. Carolina has ten. Uh, the Carolina has seven passing TDs, so do the 49ers. The one thing the 49ers did do is go out and get Emmanuel Sanders this week, which I think will make a big difference. But, boy, this is without a doubt, in my opinion, the game of the week. And besides Christian McCaffrey, you got D.J. Moore. And I know Coach North Turner, and he's been on the show twice, is really fond of Curtis Samuel. And then you have Greg Olson, a great tight end. Uh, but you got Shaq Thompson, who's actually leading the team in tackles ahead of, of Luke, Lee, uh, uh, Luke Lee, or however you say his name. Luke Kickley, <laughs> yeah. And, and then and the 49ers have, speaking of good tight ends, George Kittle, and then and that Matt Breida's running the hell out of the ball. But, yeah, one thing I want to point out about this game, and I know who you picked. Uh, you picked Carolina on your show, and, and I like Carolina too. But uh, I get a little nervous with a passing game with an NFL team when the leading receiver is a tight end. He has 376 yards. So I, I, like, I like Carolina in upset. I like him to win, not just they're getting five and a half points. I like him to win. I know you said that. Point out a couple more reasons why you like Carolina. I know you did on the show, but uh, I want the fans to hear you say it again. 
give me a couple of quick things why you like Carolina over the 49ers as I do. Yeah, I just feel like if they can manage the, the ground game um, with, with Christian McCaffrey, then they'll, they'll have a strong opportunity of, of really controlling the narrative of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that, that, that Kyle Allen is a world beater, um, but I do like what, what he brings to the table, and that's a different timing for this offense. You know, what we do know about the Carolina Panthers offense is as good as Cam Newton was, he's not to drop back West Coast perfect timing quarterback. Um, Kyle Allen wants to get that ball out. Mm-hmm. This dude came out of high school, I, was, I believe, the number one recruit in the nation. So for him, he's an old-school quarterback. He wants to stand tall in that pocket, get it out of his hands. And if his wide receivers aren't open, if his tight end Greg Olsen isn't open, then you know who he's going to hit? He's going to dump it off to Christian McCaffrey, who is the most explosive dynamic running back in all of football. So for me, I, I believe it's, it's, it's going to be the, the Christian McCaffrey show. And if, and if the 49ers do what I expect them to do, which is load the box and try to force Kyle Allen to beat them, I think Kyle Allen can maintain without giving that ball away. Yeah, I, I do too. And then the only turnover problems he's had is a few fumbles in the pocket. All right, last thing, and I'll let you go. I know you're done for the week. Are you working tomorrow? Are you work on Saturdays? You don't work on Saturdays. No, no, no. The Saturdays is for, for my sons to he, watch them play ball. There you go. And then Sunday you're on the big show on CBS. So give me your top three real quickly. You don't even have to say much. Just give me your top three NFC teams and your top three AFC teams, and then I'll follow with mine. And we'll wrap it up, and then I'll holler at you down the road. Of course, I'll be watching you every day. So go ahead and fire away. NFC, AFC, top three teams. Top three. I'm going right out the gate. I'm going to respect the undefeated. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you're not completely mm-hmm. sold on the 49ers offense and the NFC, I'm going to, I'm going to respect them. Because if I was on that team, if you was coaching that team, Coach, I know you'd be looking at the team, every team meeting saying they don't respect us, we're undefeated, and they still won't give us our credit. Let's go out there and prove it. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll respect the fact that, they don't have a blemish on their record. Okay. Um, and then secondly, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of a toss-up, but I'm going to I'm going to give the nod to Aaron Rodgers over Teddy Bridgewater as of right now. I know that Drew Brees is around the corner for coming back, and he's going to be healthy here in a bit. But with that said, third, it, it, it has to be the fact that the Saints are playing so well mm-hmm. with Drew Brees on the sideline. Mm-hmm. If Teddy Bridgewater continues to win games, then um, you know we can only expect them to be even better when Kamara and Brees gets back on the field. Now, AFC, starting with the Pats. Mm-hmm. Pats are the team to beat um, until somebody does that. You know, I, I still, I still like, I still like the the the, the Pat Mahomes led Chiefs, and mm-hmm. I know Pat Mahomes is banged up with that knee, and I think he was just ruled a couple hours ago. He was just ruled out for this week's game, and, he, and rightfully so. If Matt Moore can hold down the fort till Pat Mahomes gets back, they'll be good, man. Um, Lashawn McCoy still learning the system. Tyreek Hill. Is, is one of the most explosive players this game has ever seen. So I, I'm going to go with them as my second team. And then third, oh, man, I, I hate the – I'm going to say the Bills. Mm. And, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, not, mm-hmm. I'm not sold on, on Josh Allen as a QB. Yeah. I feel like he's an he's a athletic, strong runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not an efficient passer. He still needs to work on touch and delivery. But um, he's, doing, he's doing enough to, to win them games. And he's not doing the things to lose them games. Mm-hmm. So if he can, if he can continue that along with that defense playing well yeah. and that team playing motivated, those are my AFC teams. That's good. I'll give you mine real quick. I'll let you go. I like the Saints number one in the NFC, and uh, the Carolina Panthers number two, and the Green Bay Packers number three. Uh, I like the 
we got to like the Patriots. How can you not? They lead the league in about every category. I like Baltimore, number two, because of that great athlete at quarterback. Not totally sold on their defense. And I like the Kansas City Chiefs as number three. That is a wrap for us. I really appreciate you taking all this time with me today, Nate, and catching up. Best of luck this weekend, and uh, have a good time with the family tomorrow. And uh, let's please, let's chat down the road too, my man. Of course, 100%. Anything you need, Coach, I got you, man. And I don't say this lightly, but, you know, I love you like a family member. So uh, any, anything that you need, man, just say it, and I'm there. I appreciate it, man. Have a great day. Talk to you later. All right. All right, bye. Can do. This guy says the horse can do if he says the horse can do. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, and I'm happy to have on my weekly guest, my friend, Hall of Fame jockey, Gary Stevens. And I don't want to talk too much because we have so much going on with the Breeders' Cup coming up a week from today. Gar, how you doing this week? And uh, take her away, man. Let's talk Breeders' Cup. No, it's, it's a different feeling at Santa Anita right now with all the... Breeders' Cup horses shipping in. A majority of them are here right now. I've mm-hmm. got the eyewitness. Uh, a lot of these horses that uh, came in earlier this week, and uh, I've been just following them every morning. Drop my daughter off at school, head across the street to Santa Anita, and, and get to watch these beautiful animals. And there, there's a few horses that are sticking out to me right now, Mike. Okay. What races and what horses? And I know the fans are frothing at the bit to hear about anything we got Breeders' Cup. Go ahead and, and let everybody know what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Uh, fire away, man. Well, I'm just going to hit a few races right now because okay. we, we've got a lot of talking to do uh, all of next week. <laughs> yeah, yes. You're on every – if the fans don't know, Gary's been gracious enough to jump on with us next week, Monday through Thursday. We're going to talk through every race. We're going to bring on Brian Cox and a lot of other uh, great people. Uh, we have Tom Ryan of SF Bloodstock, Doug O'Neill, trainer, John Sadler, Ronnie Anderson, the agent for Je- uh, Joel Rosario, who you know real well, Gary, Drayden Van Dyke, Mikey Smith, Johnny V, Owen Hardy. I mean, what a great week of shows, but – Right now, it's your turn on the Breeders' Cup, and uh, give them what you got. Got just a few here, but let's start off with the juvenile fillies. Okay. Uh, I hope I'm I'm going to do one of your things right now, of maybe not pronouncing the name right, but I think <laughs> I have it down, and that is Donna Veloce in the juvenile fillies for trainer Simon Callahan, uh, Flavian Pratt riding her, and I mean. She walks by, and she looks like uh, one of the Serena sisters walking by. Like, you wouldn't want to play tennis with her. And she had a workout this morning, and it was a, a great move. You know, her, her speed figure off of her last race was probably faster or as fast as any of the Colts have run. So she's she's looking great right now. I love what I'm seeing in her. love the way she pulled up after the work. And then... We'll move on to the juvenile Colts. Hey, Gab, let uh, me jump in real quick. Who, who, when I look at the Breeders' Cup uh, website, they really haven't updated it uh, greatly. Who's who's the jockey on that horse? Do you know? Because right now it's... Flavian two, Pratt. Fla, okay. Flavian Pratt. You yeah. might have said that already, too. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. Move on to your next one here. I'm following you along on the website. Go ahead. Yeah, then we're going to go to the uh, juvenile Colts. Mm-hmm. So that's on the next page, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, Dennis's moment. Uh, mm. Dale Roman's trained two starts, undefeated. Been a lot of talk about him, mm-hmm. and he showed up here five days ago. Tammy Fox 
the partner of Dale Romans, gets on him every morning. And this Colt, uh, he looks like Mike Tyson walking into the ring. Mm. I mean, just very, very focused. Bob Baffert, his mouth dropped open the first morning he saw him walking off the racetrack. <laughs> mm. uh, for that to happen, you, you don't see fear in Bob's eyes very often. I won't even call it fear, but he was like, oh, man, that that's what i got to run against. Yeah, and he has uh, eight, eight rings as Bobby's horse, and that horse is highly regarded yep. as well, isn't it, uh, Gary? Yeah, uh, definitely, and I'm getting to him in a minute. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. But Dennis's moment, he he had a, a workout this morning, half mile. I I was standing up there on the tarmac uh, like a coach is supposed to do, watching watching his players, and got my my clock out. My son called me about an eighth of a mile before he hit the half mile pole. So I said, "Son, I gotta go. I gotta mm. go. I'm watching something." Mm. And uh, it was Dennis's moment, so I missed him the first eighth of a mile from the half mile pole, but I got him from the the three eighth pole to the quarter pole, and I believe eleven and four, and then I got him from the eighth pole to the wire in eleven and three, and then I got him from the wire to the seven eighth pole in eleven and three. Forty eight and change. I believe those number it was forty eight and two, I believe, is what I got him from the three eighths pole to the seven eighths pole, but he broke off at the half mile pole. So I I'm thinking the work was right around fifty nine and four a minute, something like that. But he galloped out strong. Looked great coming off the racetrack. And then eight rings, he's look, he's he's a good looking horse, but he to me, he's very slight. He's not a typical Bob Baffert looking horse. But in saying that, he had a horse that looked very similar quite a few years ago that uh, he called the Fish, and his name was Real Quiet. That's right, and the Fish. He was a nose short of winning the Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. And when Bob Baffert's got one uh, got one rolling and doing good, and he's barking a little bit, you better pay attention. And and he moves great. He looks great. He's speedy. He just he's a very slight built type of horse, and and I think he. You know, he, he's if he fills out a little bit, he'll be a Derby contender next year. But I, I, I won't say I love uh, looking at him as con- compared to a Dennis's moment. But I mean, we've got another seven days to go. I know he's not going to put any weight on. But yeah. He might do something spectacular. Yeah. Uh, he's not like Mike Tice. I go. He's not like Mike Tice, Gary. I can put a hell of a lot of weight on in seven days. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, God. that's because Coach did well. He might have run, made you run laps, but you you might not have put a whole lot of effort into those laps. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just saying. Oh God, <laughs> tell me about it. And then uh, <laughs> let, let's let's just go to uh, Breeders' Cup Sprint right now. Okay. And uh, the the Breeders' Cup Sprint is loaded. Yes. But uh, I got one horse that I fell in love with uh, a year and a half ago during the wintertime at Oakland Park to Steve Asmus, and his name is Matoli. Oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah. Just a, a class act. I'm, I'm great friends with uh, Scott Blasey, the assistant trainer. And I walked in after dropping out, and he, he trains before I'm able to get there, and he had a workout the other morning that I didn't know was coming, but Blasey walked up to me, and he had this big grin on his face, and he said, I made this slow track look fast mm. this morning. Mm. I said, what would you do to my horse? He said, Gee Stevens, he said, I pulled a, I pulled a uh, Bob Baffert playbook call out 
and I worked him out of the starting gate, just like he did Secret Circle. And he said Mike Smith was on him, doing a favor for Ricardo Santana, his regular rider. And uh, he said he went 45 and 4, 58 and 2, out in 110 and change. And, and that track is not that fast. He's, he's just a very, very fast horse. And he's been back here for uh, three and a half weeks now to be a month. He's been out here since October 1st. So I'm figuring three and a half weeks. I told you I'm not good at math, but this horse <laughs> is thriving. And uh, I think he's going to take all the beating in the sprint, which is, is on paper wide open. Yeah, no, that's great. I was in New York when he beat uh, when he beat McKenzie, and I'm in the Met Mile, I believe it was. And uh, that horse is fast. I mean, when you look at wide receivers and DBs in the NFL, and you can see that extra gear, and you say, "Oh, yeah, he is fast." Well, Matoli is fast, and that work you were talking about, I know you and I spoke about that the other day. That is one hell of a work over that Santa Anita track that has been slowed down for obvious reasons over the last few months so what else you got for me you got anything else we want to shoot on to our races or i'm I'm gonna go i'm gonna go real quick here with the the uh breeders cup mile okay Uh, all right let me pull Omaha beach tremendous uh workout yesterday morning mikey was on him or excuse me it was uh yeah it was yesterday morning mikey worked him he worked 59 flat looked like he went uh in 104 so he covers a lot of ground that uh, you you tough to pick up. Uh, improbable for for Baffert. Uh, mm-hmm. He had a great workout as well. Those are probably going to be my two horses, but they're really the only two horses that I've been able to lay good eyes on. And then uh, going to the Breeders' Cup Classic, McKenzie had a great workout in 124. Mongolian Groom. He looks like I don't know what to say out on the racetrack. Uh, his uh, his win and defeat over uh, McKenzie was not a fluke. The mm-hmm. horse has come back and, and trained unbelievable. And uh, the folks, they the, put up the $100,000 to supplement him uh, for the race. So they've got confidence in him. And War of Will, he's training like I've never seen him train. I've had to, been able to have my eyes on him all of the summer. Uh, pretty much, and he's training out of this world as well. So that's what I got for Breeders' Cup, Mike. Well, that's a good that's a good start for the people. I know you can go on the uh, on the uh, race and form page and uh, pick out the uh, the uh, futures that came out. Uh, I think it was today. I was starting to look at those until I had to pay seven ninety five, and I figured I'd wait till I, <laughs> till I can get them for wait till I can get them for free. But speaking of the racing form, and let's let's talk about a couple races, a couple nice. Uh, I appreciate that, and I know we got a lot more coming and. I like it that you're there watching the works and watching the body language of the horses, not only the horses, but the people that are training the horses and, and their confidence. You can always tell a guy who likes his horse, just like you can tell a coach who likes his football team, their chest gets a little bit bigger. Autumn Miss, the grade three at Santa Anita, going a mile on the turf for uh, three-year-old fillies. We seem to be handicapping a lot of three-year-old filly races the last few weeks. And then the Fayette, grade two at Keeneland, mile on an eighth, uh, the Hagyard. Hague, Fayette, grade two, two hundred thousand. Let's start. Let's start. What do you make? What am I saying wrong now? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad your uh, pronunciation is, is uh, so on today. Oh, is it? Oh, am I, am I, am I hitting it? No, you, you're you're making fun of me, man. Hey, so so let's go on to the. Let's start with the Fayette at uh, 
that's my New York accent. At Keeneland, Mile and Nath, uh, good good race. There's some horses in here I like, but I know you look through it. Who you who you looking at and who you liking? Look, I, I think this race is uh, pretty chalky, to be honest with you. I'd like mm. to give some good prices out for uh, the folks that are tuning in. That's what they want. But they, this is uh, pretty chalky to me. I, I'm, I've got three horses. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pick the top horse. I'm going to pick what I think is going to be the second-place horse. And then I'm going to give you a price that mm-hmm. may upset them all. Mm-hmm. But I, I want I want to test you. Uh, how, how do you pronounce that three horse name? Tom's the Attack. It's Tom's the Tot. That's what I said. Tom's the Tot. That's what I said. Perfect. Well, you rode in France. You rode in France. I didn't ride in France. I've never been to France. No, the only the only reason I know how to pronounce it is I've I heard Larry Colmas pronounce oh. his his name in his uh, last three races or last two races. So uh, I, I was on air and I think I called him Dom Tom's D at Tat, just oh. like you did. Uh. He sent me sent me a text and had it all on the, the correct pronunciation. Well, so that's well, all Larry Coleman's, not me. Well, I chopped. <laughs> I, ch- I can chop up everything because I've chopped up this uh, great defensive pass rusher for the Vikings, and I've been on the Vikings all year, and I've been calling him Danielle Hunter all year, and then today I'm watching a show and it says uh, Danielle, Danielle Hunter, or I, I'm still getting it wrong, Danielle Hunter or Danielle Hunter, and I'm like, oh, man, I've been killing that guy's name all year, and I'm just killing him. sure it wasn't Daniel? No, it's not Daniel. It's it's not. It's Daniel. It's Daniel. It's Daniel Hunter. Yeah. So let's get on to this race. So you like the three? Okay. You, do you like the three or no? Yeah, I do. I do like the three. He's getting Joel Rosario back aboard, uh, mm-hmm. who was on him for the. Uh, it was a restic- restricted race, uh, but he ran a hell of a race in the in the Woodward against preservationists. Um, but. My pick is going to be Bell Harbor, mm-hmm. the eight horse for Pletcher. I think he's yeah. just, I, you're getting seven to two on him, two to one on Tom's the top, and um, then the one you got to throw in. And if I if I'm betting tries or whatever, of course I'm going to key one, two, three is Mosito Rojo, the five horse. This horse is seventeen for twenty five. Uh, it doesn't matter what racetrack he runs on. He always shows up, threw in an upset in the Lucas Classic at 16-1. Uh, to 1. So if you want a long shot to throw in there, that's my long shot. But uh, Bal Harbor's my pick. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. And then also Dale Roman's hu- uh, horse could be tough, uh, Mr. Freeze. But I'm with you. Bal Harbor at 7-2 to in the morning line. Tom's de Tat. Uh, I think I got it. Uh, Albert uh, Stahl. The three horse, and then the long shot in there, Mosito Rojo. Uh, yeah, that horse is 17 to 25, 797,000. I could see it. Let's move on to Santa Anita, home of this year's Breeders' Cup. A week from today, the Autumn Miss Grade 3. Uh, fire away, Gary. Well, uh, this one, it, it's a wide open race. I mean, this is a good betting race right here. And uh, I like a couple horses that. Both of them are paired up at, at eight to one. The six horse, Solent. Uh, speed figures, you know, don't qualify with a lot of the other fillies in here, but she's been riding, running at uh, some some racetracks that don't get huge uh, buyer figures. And Red Cox took over training off of uh, Chad Brown two races back, and she's been running at lesser racetracks, but she'd just been moved to the turf three races back. Since Brad's had her, she's two for two. Her numbers are improving. 
he doesn't put horses on airplanes without uh, knowing they have a great chance, especially for Judmont Farms. Mike Smith riding, and she's out of the uh, great mare uh, sightseek. She's yet to have a stakes winner, but uh, she was a great mare and herself. Bobby Frankel had sightseek, so she's going to be one of them that I like. But uh, the the ten horse, Giza Goddess. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look down at her form, you'll see the G Stevens wrote her second out of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's by Cairo Prince out of the Harlan Harlan's Holiday mare. Uh, we thought that she was going to be long on the turf, and that's exactly what uh, she wound up being, is long on the turf. She's been off since December of last year, but uh, I talked to Breeze Blanc earlier today on the phone. I said, have you been working this uh, filly? I thought she was going to be a superstar, and he said, yeah, I have been working her in. Uh, I said, is she ready? He said, she's as ready as she can get. Uh, she's ready to win a race. He said, we jumped into the deep end of the pool, but I think she's a good filly. Uh, there's not a lot of speed in here. She's a stocking-type filly. I think she's going to be stocking. She's going to be my pick for John Sheriff, and then we're going to go Solent. And I'm going to throw in a huge bomb for okay. us here, because I have to. A little less talk. Rodina less- Barrett, Seattle Connections, uh, Tyler Bay. The two horse, My huh? brother's. Yep, my brother's ridden her last two races, likes her a lot. She's got some grass pedigree. They're taking a chance with her. I mean, mm-hmm. this Washington is a huge Blue. step up in class. She's 30 to 1. Talked to my brother. He wanted to come over and ride her. Uh, he's riding a filly. He thinks he's going to be a superstar this weekend. He couldn't make it here. He says, Gary, just make sure you guys get somebody that's going to try it. They're not going to look at the tote board and say, oh, the Seattle horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go out there and go through the motions for uh, $220. Uh, Tyler Bays, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he yeah. goes out there knowing that he's got a chance and he will try. So uh, that's my bomb for the weekend. Well, I like that, the two. Yeah, Seattle bread, Washington bread. Oh, good job. So we got. Yeah, couple- I was with, uh, yeah. I was with uh, Pewitt this morning, bright and early. I got out there a little earlier than normal this morning, met him at the paddock, and we watched this, uh, this filly come back through the paddock and very classy she she traveled great she's been here for three weeks right now training in the kathy walsh barn so just a little more info nice good job that's a great report uh that's a great some great picks uh boy a lot of information for the fans today we've i think we put together a hell of a show this week and uh i gotta give you one game though man i gotta keep you on your nfl toes uh the big game the big game, Carolina and the 49ers. I'm already on record as saying I like Carolina. Nate Burleson's on record on his show and my show saying he likes Carolina. Who do you like? I know who you're going to say, otherwise you're sleeping on the couch tonight. Who do you like in this game, Carolina at the 49ers? Big game this week. Give it to me. Hey, you know, uh, I got a I got a big couch that's, that's comfy. Yeah. She, just, uh, she just closed the door so she can't hear me. I'm, I'm all Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> That's all three of us. That's all three of us on Carolina. Well, listen, uh, thanks for coming on. Look forward to next week. We'll talk over the weekend. Uh, Gary Stevens, Hall of Fame jockey, is going to be on. We're going to do a show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on the Breeders' Cup. We have some great guests. Of course, we have Hall of Famer Gary Stevens on every day. We're going to talk through the races for you at depth. And then on Friday, we'll have on some football personalities. So we'll have five days of shows next week.
Boy, I thank my guest today. We had a great show, a long show, but lots of information from former head coach and my friend Jack Del Rio, Nate Burleson, another person out of my past I drafted in 2003 with the Minnesota Vikings is doing really well for himself. And of course, Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens. Uh, we've got a great show for you all next week. Breeders' Cup show Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Hall of Fame trainers, Hall of Fame jockeys, Mikey Smith, Johnny Velasquez, Bob Baffert, Doug O'Neill is on, uh, John Sadler's on. We have some owners. It's going to be a great week of shows. We're going to finish Friday with a, another NFL broadcast. And, of course, Gary Stevens is going to join us all week, Monday through Thursday next week, to talk Breeders' Cup. If you have any thoughts or comments, you can tweet us at Odds and Ends Pod. That's O D D S, the letter N E N D S Pod. Or you can email us at Odds and Ends Pod at gmail.com. Uh, and have a great week. Have a great weekend. I hope all your teams win. I hope all your horses are winning horses. And don't forget, I'd rather have a short price than a long face. <laughs>